You're about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. to yet another episode of Worst Gig Ever. I am Mike. I am Jeff. Welcome, friends and neighbors. Uh, today, <laughs> your friends and neighbors. Uh, today, we have uh, a we, great guest. We got a good one today. Uh, Nate Smith, uh, first comedian. I keep saying well, comedian. Yeah, he's the first, first transgender <laughs> male-to-female comedian. Uh, first comedian uh, on the podcast. Uh, he's an actor. Uh, he is a Upright Citizens Brigade performer. He's kind of a poet. He's a poet. When you hear uh, him speak. When you hear him speak today, uh, he's got a lot of great insight into being creative uh, and trying to do this thing that we're trying to do, whatever it is. Yes, and he's got some good horror stories about the process of auditioning and pilot season and uh, some some insight into that world if you are not familiar with it. And uh, just to feed into that, so, you know, just my personal, uh, I've never dealt with pilot season, but uh, uh, a story leading into what he will be talking about. Uh, this pilot season, I had to go in for one show. Uh, I've only gone in for three or four auditions. In New York. In New York. I don't go to L.A. for that. Get out of no, here. No, no, no. Uh, but I, I've, uh, I've only gone in for three or four, uh, and I have no agent or anything. I only go in for gigs. Oh, worst gig ever. Uh, I only go in for auditions for uh, if someone has looked at the UCB performer page and they are looking for distinctly a Zach Alphanakis or a Seth Rogen type. You get by on your looks. I get by only on my looks. Um, and so I, uh, I, I went in for one, uh, this, uh, pilot season, uh, for, uh, yeah, a show called Friend Me. Uh, I don't think it's going to be good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I went in for the show. Uh, there was a sign up saying, please, we're not shaking hands, uh, because of pilot season. Of course. Uh, and so I went into an uncomfortable, uh, personal office to do the audition. Uh, immediately got told to stop looking at the scripts. Um, <laughs> did a terrible job in my audition. Uh, and in about one minute, it was over. And I immediately put out my hand to shake. Uh, <laughs> and immediately they went, uh, did you not see the sign? Ooh. Uh, it's, uh, please, uh, we're not doing that. And so I went out of there dejectedly. And I ended up seeing that the Zach Galifianakis type got filled by Christopher Mintz-Plotz. I think is his name. He Plossy, played McLovin. I believe. McLovin on yeah. Superbad. Nothing like so, me. Not looking. Like so, the, yeah. Well, uh, when you think of Zach Galifianakis or Seth Rogen, you do think of uh, Christopher Mintz Plassey physically. Yes, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I'm always going in for those. That's why I had to, you know, usually they'll have me take my shirt off immediately and yell some big fat party animal line. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I don't envy Nate Smith for going through pilot wow. season and doing multiple and multiple and multiple versions of that personal uh, taking off her shirt and yelling food yes non-stop it's just every audition it's like all right ed uh, can we get the shirt off with the food fight line with the food great fight. thank you well without any further ado we've got nate smith live 
or taped. Taped live, uh, in, our taped live in our studio. Taped live in our studio on Worst Gig Ever. His website is natesmithnews.com. Uh, check it out. Check him out. He's the best. Here's Nate. I am speaking into a golden microphone. Literally golden. You got the golden green. Golden green. Uh, it's, the, so. it's the Notre Dame of microphones. <laughs> It doesn't yes, sound like a good. Yes, I uh, don't know if that's good or bad, but we'll golden go green. I think it's the golden right? fleece of microphones. Go- <laughs> you don't want that either. Uh, so, uh, so where we are, welcome. Hey, everyone. Here we go. Another episode. <laughs> Another episode. Uh, so yeah. Hey, everyone. We are here with our good friend Nate Smith. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Welcome to the green room. Thank welcome you. <laughs> Paul Am Paul I on Paul Vermenza's podcast? Oh, uh, Paul Vermenza's hit it. Oh, yes. Fuck. You now we get sued. Asshole. So uh Nate Smith is a comedian. Comedian actor. Com- comedian? Uh comedian. Uh, he's a male. Uh right. he's a comedian, he's an actor. Uh he has been on uh many commercials yep. and various T V things. Some T V appearances. Um and he is a couple former of UCB. Yes, some movies. Yep. Scholar. A scholar. Well, throw scholar in there. Yeah. All uh, around. This is B- a liberal arts grad, uh, undergrad exactly. degree. From, those, from Wesleyan University. Sp- sponsor of the show. Yes. Uh, this Weird. works out well. Yeah. Wesleyan Weird. University. They're hey, a private university. We've got they you covered. They don't sponsor anything, yet they've sponsored two idiots in their <laughs> yep. Greenpoint apartment. Exactly. Wesleyan that University. Subway ad. Hey, we've got you covered. We've got you covered. Uh, for the audience... Uh, let's let's talk about Nate Smith for a little bit. Yeah. Let's get into you. The who, what, uh, where. The who, the what, the where, the when. Yeah. And most well, importantly, okay. the why. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Nate Smith, uh, where were you born? I was born in northeast Pennsylvania, a town called Bear Creek, uh, which is just, uh, it's kind of a rural suburb of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, or Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, sometimes people know that town because it's the, where the office takes place. Wait, what, the American what's the office? office? The Office is the uh, listeners who don't know the NBC sitcom The Office uh, oh. does not shoot there though. No, no, shoot on it's an American original <laughs> sitcom. Great, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, but I'm a great. Uh, so yeah, I'm a comedian and actor and writer and um, direct filmmaker, I guess. And I, uh, my background is primarily at the UCB Theater in New York, right. where Jeff and I met and have done a lot of uh, sketch comedy together. And uh, I started uh, taking classes there sort of as a hobby, and then after a few years, uh, turned that hobby into a career as an actor and as a comedian. And I've been doing that professionally, we were just talking about this, right. for... Uh, it's sort of, a, I can't exactly say how long. I would say somewhere between three and five years. Uh, I've been doing it, working in commercials, and then that led to working in in uh, movies and TV. And I'm not uh, what you might call a household name, uh, except for me. Except it's a among my friends. Smith yes. is a pretty common as Paula Poundstone. Yeah, it is in some ways. There are several other Nate Smiths yes. that I imagine are. Yeah, you might say it's a household name. And <laughs> are you the everywhere. most successful Nate Smith, though? No, there are two Nate Smiths I know of in New York who are both drummers, and they're both established and talented guys. And you probably have heard one, if not both of them, on really? recordings. Yeah. One is a jazz guy. and uh, Jazz bow. Nate Smith um, jazz bow. Yeah. 
he uh i'm not i can't really say his uh his credits the other guy i went to college with and he plays in an electro band called shy child that i'm a huge oh, fan okay. of. we've talked about shy child yes uh i'm a big fan of shy child played um, with shy child way back when at the knitting fact did you collapsed it yeah really They're both of those guys I, think I went to college with both both nate smith Nate Smith and Pete Caffarella, who's the other, the other, the other half guy. of Shy Child. No, Got that guy I don't know. Jasbo made a guest appearance that night. He did. Killer there was, show. There were two. They both Nate Smith. <laughs> what an amazing. <laughs> they have such different styles. Drum circle with two guys. Two drumming. And then you joined in, and it was. Uh, so I just played it. I just banged on like the at the case the of a guitar. Day. Yeah, I can do this. I'm covered. <laughs> don't worry about it, bros. Nate Smith's here. Cover your ass. Um, There's another Nate Smith. There's a comedian in Portland. Uh, where you got beef with? I I do have a quasi beef. <laughs> uh, we love get into beef. this. He owns the URL natesmithcomedy.com, which was the bitch. second URL. When I was looking for a website URL, I first looked up natesmith.com, which is taken but but isn't being used. But it's been owned for year, like a uh-huh. decade, by somebody who hasn't used it. And then Nate Smith Comedy was the second one I looked at, and it's owned by this Portland comedian named Nate Smith. And he's a really really like avid blogger, like really active internet presence and is a funny dude. His blog is really funny. And I thought to my, and I am the opposite of that. I blog maybe <laughs> once a month and I thought, Oh, how funny would it be if I started a feud with this guy online and he's a community, he'll be, he'll be game. And I, I never did it. And I, and then cut about a year or two later, just out of nowhere, he blogged about me and just, Torn, just ripped me apart in a kind of joking way. Sure. But he started the thing that I wanted to start, and uh, and it and then he emailed me and said, "Hey, I'm like, his email was actually just you've been served, <laughs> and then a link to his vlog, and it was like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? And uh, but uh, anyway, so I do know him, and and we have a fake feud. What online. about TV? I ended up with natesmithnews.com, and I uh, so I kind of half-assed like a newspaper theme <laughs> on my website. Yeah, no, it kind of, yeah, kind of exists <laughs> as a theme. newspaper. Yeah. I, it's so not, I, I like kind of used like the New York Times font on the Times, top. Times New, AKA Times New Roman. Uh, is it? No. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like old time font. Old oh, time, the old New English. Old Roman. Yeah, it's sort of halfway between that Got it. and and just sort of a time there story. happens to also be a comedian named mike pace really like he was on uh he was an extra on curb your enthusiasm once he's like also i think he might also be in portland yeah i know cool. uh, so Nate's, uh, uh, i mean mike pace point. is a great guy yeah. you do you know the, the real mike pace he's a really funny guy <laughs> I, I don't know him i don't God, know him at that all. mike pace is so funny i think just... somewhere in portland right now there are three guys recording a podcast Mike. interviewing Nate Smith. <laughs> the jazz guy, Nate Smith. Uh, <laughs> Bizarro jazz Nate I just Smith. play with brushes. They all have mustaches <laughs> and goatees. So, so you, uh, you're primarily at UCB. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do stuff in high school? I uh, didn't in college? do. I didn't do any comedy. I did in college. I did a tiny little bit of sketch comedy. Right. But I wasn't uh, pursuing it really at all i just i didn't have the balls i just wasn't uh interested in sure i was very very interested i should say but i wasn't doing it because i didn't think it was a career for me i i studied film in college and i was going to be a filmmaker i came to new york and i worked in documentary films pretty much immediately 
as an editor, assistant editor, and then I worked up to become an editor and as an associate producer, and I did a lot of field shooting on some feature documentaries for about uh, eight years I did that and uh, was just you know, pretty deep in the documentary world in New York. So then what gave you the balls? Uh, I mean, it's the, that, and really, that's the key. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like that's the story for most people who have taken class. And yeah. what we're saying UCB, we're saying the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Right. Uh, you know, you have to take classes there and, you know, to eventually end up performing there. And, yeah, I know for me, like, it took balls. It took, mm-hmm. it took my now wife buying me a gift certificate. Oh, she did it, it for you? Sketch it, class. it took yeah. Jeff convincing me right. to do it as well. Right. So uh, you need there's there's always that something. So yeah, what 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 do you remember what clicked? Yeah. It was I was friends with a guy named Jim Santangeli who's also a uh, you were performer. Friends. Uh RIP no Jim yeah. Santangeli. <laughs> internet beef with this guy. Can we just dedicate this whole episode in memoriam? Jim, um, I'm looking up to you. Rest yeah. in peace, Jim. <laughs> so Jim is still around. Uh <laughs> He's holding on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Tangentially. Jim Santangelo yes. is... Uh, it's not his name. Um, not a person that we're still, talking about. All right. Still around. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he uh, and I used to go to shows. Uh, he was just a buddy, and we talked about comedy a lot. We used to go to shows, and he just one day can, said, let's t- sign up, take a class. Comedy, sh- comedy shows or music? Improv- comedy shows at the at the Upright Citizen yeah. Brigade Theater. And, and uh, he thought let's just do it i I just didn't think it was going to happen i just never thought i would do it i thought it was for people who wanted to be actors i didn't think that was my path and it feels like such a daunting thing when you first very scary like you're you're like you're entering this new world that you're not a part of at all and yeah uh it's you know in retrospect it was because i wanted it so badly right I wanted to be a comedian and I wanted to be a sketch performer and I, I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. I just wanted things that I wasn't admitting to myself that I right. wanted. And it took years after I had started taking classes. It wasn't until really five years later, probably, that I thought, oh, I sort of need to be honest with what's happening in my life here because mm-hmm. I'm working full time in documentaries, yet I'm ducking out to go to auditions every day right. and in the evenings five six nights a week i'm either performing taking classes or teaching classes at this point like i'd become such a uh-huh. so deep ingrained into the comedy world and we're talking about improv and sketch comedy that i was teaching it and i it was like a, a second career sure. and i i realized i wasn't calling myself an actor i would still say i'm an editor and so as a producer in documentary films and because it's and, scary it it's was scary just, to admit that because then if yeah. you fail you yeah. really fail. You burn out like you're, you're a crashing airplane. Right. Uh, and yeah. it's scary to admit to yourself that, I think. I was working with uh, it, <laughs> that like hurdle. Clearing that hurdle involved working with a nutrition uh, kind of consultant. So um, physical, it manifested itself physically too. Y- yes and no. I, he, he, his his uh, practical title was... Uh, like a health counselor, a holistic health counselor, but Is this Dr. Andrew Wheel. Uh, in that vein, okay. it, there's a <laughs> you know, yeah, Wheel, yeah. I don't know. Gray beard. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You, 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 they sell his books at Costco. Not quite sure yeah. what that guy is right. doctored in. My mom, I think, owns a couple of his books, but yeah, he's everyone a, has them. He's kind of a self-help uh, nutrition guy, right. I think. I actually haven't read his stuff, but definitely that guru. style. He's yeah, he's got uh, a beard. But that the guy was almost more of a therapist than he was a uh, 
uh, nutrition guy. Uh, we talked a lot about food and stuff, but it was also a lot about what you want out of your life and what you're being, what are you being honest with yourself about and what aren't you being honest about. And, and I, uh, I realized I just wasn't being honest about what I wanted. I was clear that I was wanted to be doing comedy. Right. Which is kind of the easiest way of saying it. When you're a comedian and an actor and a writer and a director, it's sort of easy to just say, I do comedy, yeah. you know? Uh, and, I uh, I quit my job and I started doing it full time and and then even then it took a little while to say I was an actor and, and all that but once I made that decision it was so liberating it was so freeing to feel like okay well now I know what I am and I'm not pretending that that is something I want or don't want and and it became uh, my life I became now I feel totally comfortable sure and there's no way I'm going backwards is yes. very clear to me and that's a very liberating feeling but you can still edit if you need it I, I still do I regularly yeah. you know it's uh, good to have that in the back pocket yeah but I, I haven't done it for for money for other people in a long time I'll edit my own stuff even sure. now I, I do that as little as possible sure so to distance yourself as much as you can just because it's it's boring. I don't, I don't yeah. get any satisfaction out of it. It feels way more fun to just shoot stuff, write it, shoot it, be in it than it does to edit it. And, you know, sure. Um, so, so once you start, so let's go a, a couple of things that people might know you from. You are, mm-hmm. uh, you are one of the, the fake writers on, on 30 rock, mm-hmm. uh, Johnny reaction. As, uh, as has yeah. been Is dubbed, that, uh, your name. I th- either me Nate. or my wife Christy dubbed Nate that at some point. He yeah. is Johnny There's Reaction. No credit. No. Credit. Anytime Tina Fey says something and all the writers go, Err? yeah, uh, that's Nate Smith. I do one of those. Looking I'm, great. I've never spoken on that. Is show. it hard to fake write for the show? Uh, it's super duper easy. Uh, we'll sit at that table and <laughs> draw uh, like. I remember one day we drew uh, like video box covers of movies from no, like eighties movies. To be yeah, that's we're not writing. We're like doodling, dicking around a lot of like Hangman. Uh-huh. Ha- you know, um, one time we just wrote fun words that are hyphenated, like fun. Hy- that I mean, that's <laughs> it's a mixture of entertaining ourselves and also just so boring sometimes sure. but it's like yeah. i you're mindlessly just how many writing. hours is that usually if some, when you would shoot those some days it's in and out in, in two hours some days it's a good 12 hour day 14 and hour day what's the what's the shooting schedule like how are you are you blocked for time for 30 rock when they're shooting uh how, we'll say that again what do you like, mean i mean like when when 30 rock is shooting are you on sets i mean how does the scheduling work like, like do you have to clear stuff? your schedule yeah. oh, or 30 rock pretty much yeah uh i would and, and sometimes for that reason it wasn't worth it because uh, right. it's it's really glorified background i mean extra work yeah. and and the only glory of it is that we would get a dressing room sometimes all collectively there's maybe five of us or so uh-huh. no we aren't, weren't always there basically they would call all of us uh, there was about five or six of us and say, come in, can you come in? And whoever could come would be there. Uh-huh. We get a dressing room. We would be referred to as the UCB guys or the, cause we're all UCB theater performers or we would be the writers who never talk. Uh-huh. Um, I think initially there were some other names for them, but, uh, it, it, there was just a little, it was like just one step 
up from the very bottom of the yeah. totem pole of uh, hierarchy of of talent at the on the set. It's just to be honest, the Thirty Rock thing. All of my other credits kind of dubious at this point that I would be in any way someone that people would want to listen to. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> So well, we're in the same boat with you. We have to say so. We're, <laughs> no, we're, all, we're all pulling from the ground. I disagree exactly. with that. I'll tell you why. Jeff Garlock, very established musician. When I, I've been with Jeff, at, uh, when he was been has he's been approached by obsessive fans. I've sit, sat with Jeff while a guy revealed his orchid tattoo, album cover art tattoo. Uh, I've mentioned the band Panthers to people who have so little, like such a distant connection to who you were and known you well, known your music well, owned your albums. Like that's a very, it's a fucking incredible thing. You're in really successful hey, Welcome bands. to the big leagues. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do wear it well. You're yeah. Right? Guy. Wear it great. I mean, you've been a professional musician for a long time. Uh, yeah, pro- You're not but playing yes. stadiums. Professional but- be the <laughs> loosest use of right. that term. So uh, a musician is a hard thing. Music also. it's just They're it's like, like it's like saying you're an dance. actor. Yeah. Uh saying you're a comedian yeah. even. Like and right. it's hard to embrace and I I think I can even embrace being a comedian right. or doing comedy right. more than I can embrace being a musician for some reason. Right. Uh well, cause the term musician is is this you think of like some Steve Vai esque guitar center or like you know, there there's something stayed. Uh, right about being a music, I could never, with a straight face, call myself a musician. Yeah, well, I, and that's the thing. I think for me, it's I think it's it's you know it's in the same boat where like <laughs> you know my brother will call and be like, dude, like I saw all of your friends on TV tonight. Yeah, like on like every like commercial. Yeah, and you know, and then if you talk to an actor mm-hmm. or talk to a comedian, they're immediately it's like, ah, it's fucking bullshit. Right, whatever. Unless they're completely delusional. Right. Which a lot are. And yeah, completely are. lying to themselves. They're just like, oh, no, no, I'm just doing it in the craft and blah, 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 fart, fart, fart. Well, but, here's the thing, though. You you said you can call yourself a musician. It's easier to call yourself a musician than it is a comedian. Or, oh, I think so. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Right, at really? this point, I somehow feel semi-more accomplished, maybe? I don't know. I As just, a comedian. I don't know. Maybe it's also a weird punk thing. Like, it's a, it's like a, being a musician. Seems yeah. It's like, you know, we're just playing yeah, in I know, a band. We're totally just playing weird. in a band, man. We're just fucking... That's why, you know, fish are musicians. Yes. I think that's the other problem, too, is people who don't know then we'll talk about music and they'll be like, you know, even and talk about a song, they'll be like, to G. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't actually know what, what number notes are. fret is that? Yeah, where are we? We're at four to five, right? Cool. Great. That's wonderful. Well, as comedians, we all understand the structure of joke sure. telling yes. as, as per the uh, joke scale. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Very similar. Um, I think it's just so hard. I, I mean, at the same time, like, it's easier. I don't know. I mean, how do you feel? Like, for me, it's easier to just say, I do comedy. Yeah. To even say, like, I'm a writer mm-hmm. sometimes feels hard. Uh, because then it's like, oh, what are you writing for? Who have you written for? Right. That's like, well, uh, I'm doing uh, right. these things in my house, uh, mostly. <laughs> uh, and you want to throw these extra qualifiers. And I think that's just, you know, a lot of that's fear and a lot of right. that's negativity. And that's, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, you and I talk insecurity, about. Insecurity, yeah. Yeah, insecurity in general. Um, but yeah, I think it's a hard thing because like, uh, you know, from the outside, I would say, you know, you're on commercials, you're mm-hmm. in movies, mm-hmm. Hello Lonesome, mm-hmm. DVD coming out 
today, possibly. It might I think be out. I think it's out. Might be What's streaming the on Netflix. I only, only Blu-ray. Uh, Blu-ray uh, yeah. Ultraviolet DVD comes out. I, by the way, in the studio here, <laughs> we have the oldest living Blu-ray player of all time. <laughs> it's going into Right the... back here. I mean, this is like from 2004. You're, it was a wedding gift. You were pushing boundaries, I didn't man. get married in 2004. It was just the guy who shot the wedding was a friend, <laughs> and he shot it on Blu-ray. Here's the like, thing about this story. <laughs> super boring. <laughs> It gets good. It gets. Good. I don't think it does. It's not, it's I'm gonna just. Right I'm gonna put the brakes on it and get back to and talking says, about interesting things. I'll give you a Blu-ray player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, didn't, didn't get good. Yes. Didn't get good. No. That's called the Mike Pace story. <laughs> it's a classic. So the Ayatollah Rock and Roller hey, coming at you with story. killer stories. Wait a minute. So you're the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller. He's the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller. And he's the beef. I'm the beef. Wait a minute. But you're the Ayatollah. I am of Rock and Roller. Like from the guy from Long Memphis Island, got it from me. From from Long Island High School. Yes, I, that's where I went. Long Island High School. <laughs> the same. <laughs> the same. You know Ayatollah Ragamuffin. Nineteen ninety three. Two seven. Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Ninety three to oh seven. I taught you, after I graduated. No. I Did you radio. continue to do the Ayatollah Ragamuffin? Yeah. Bring it to right, I brought it home. <laughs> Okay, so when you were in high school, yes, you were a radio DJ, yes. in your high school, yes. and I your wore that head your, scarf and everything. Your uh, <laughs> head scarf? You mean like the like? Yeah, uh, the guy I wears. Oh, that! I was picturing like uh, the E Street Band. What's his name? In the oh, okay. Little, little Stevie. Stevie. Yeah, Little Stevie. Little like Stevie, a, the idol of rock and roll, coming no, 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 at no. you, Grand Rock Radio. But your handle. Your DJ handle was the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller. For the first three shows until they made me change it. That's so <laughs> awesome. Because it was a little racist. Did that make up for the Blu-ray story? I love that story. Yeah. I love the Ayatollah of Rock <laughs> and Roller. We're back on track. Okay. We're back on track. So, getting yeah. back to Nate Smith. So, so you're essentially a working actor. I definitely am. And yes. I, I make about two-thirds of my income. If we're going to define sure. uh, my career and success. Let's do it. By credits and money. Yes. I make about two thirds of my income from acting, right? Uh, be it commercials or movies or, or TV. And then about a third of it comes from writing or directing. Uh, and those are primarily ads, uh, -huh. uh that are or internet ads or sketches. Um, and, uh, I used to direct a lot of sketch comedy yes. at the UCB theater, live, live comedy. I haven't done that in a long time. I still where, do it, but I haven't done it for money. Originally. You were my director, Jeff and I were one of together. my old mod teams, which are the house sketch teams, Slow Burn. Mm -hmm. uh, were you with the Skunts, too? I was. The Skunts, the worst named mod team in all of UCB history. Yep. Uh, way to go, us. Um, so, uh, so. so it's a grind. It is a grind. and it, it, like, Let's get into the grind, because, he, you know, usually yeah. uh, we've had musicians up until now. You're our first comedian. Or you I'd say people chair. that play in bands. Yeah, we have, we've had people who play music. <laughs> I don't know if anyone... Yes, no one's interviewed. been a musician, quote We're unquote. getting Trey Anastasio uh, next week. Yeah, we'll he's got the guts. Like, we've got musicians. Um, you and I, we can have a chat about fish, because I know that Jeff's not going to participate. Uh, yeah. you, are you a Greenpoint resident? No, I, okay, so I live in Manhattan. a Chinese musician. The best Chinese food <laughs> Greenpoint. Sponsored by Chinese musician. We'll be back in a second. Okay. So... Uh, so Nate Smith. Shigga digga ding 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 ding. And then it got a little race. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, like I said, we, we usually talk to people in bands, or so far we have, and you're right. the first comedian. Right. Uh, but it's in the same wheelhouse. It's the same deal where it's, 
it's the grind. It's, it's, you know, all, you know, uh, when my brother's excited that he sees my friends on TV commercials, um, he doesn't know about the rest of the, the shit you 363 have to go through to do what Yeah, the shit that yeah. you have to go through to do this. And, you know, so, so you have to do a lot of auditions. Yes. Uh, how terrible are auditions? Uh, I think, my feeling is about 10% of them are really, really terrible. Okay. And so, and I, I would say on average in the last, let's say, take the last year as uh-huh. an example, uh, one out of every 10 times I went to an audition was like, I walked out and felt really bad, really like miserable. <laughs> is that because of? The way you felt you performed or the way it was run? But it could be a lot of factors. Uh, Do you walk out feeling like you hate yourself a yeah, bit? Yeah, it's right. always that. Yeah. It's always self-hate and, yes. and shitty. Uh, occasionally, it's combined with a, a little vitriol for the casting director or sure. the producers or whomever was in the room or how the thing ha- operated or what the script, how terrible the script was. Sometimes it's projected, but it is never without a little self-hate. Right. So I'm always beating myself up. Uh, the other 90% of the time, I can kind of just shrug it off. And it, it is because that's sort of the nature of yeah. what I'm doing. I just got used to it. Uh, the hit percentage is so low for yeah. actors that I think it's really... I, I don't know if anybody is, isn't prepared for that. You know, right. like... Or would continue to do it if they couldn't handle well, that. Uh, just get into some numbers. Like, how often a week are you going on adi- auditions? And what is the, yeah. what is the, what's the ratio what of stuff? Ratio? It's probably, uh, it's, hmm. again, like just taking a year cross section, I would say it's probably one a day. And they are 75% commercials. Mm-hmm. So those are TV on camera commercials for me, like acting in the spot. Or voiceover commercials where I'm just doing, it's, it could be a radio commercial or it could be I'm doing a voiceover for the commercial and you wouldn't see me. Uh, the other, about a quarter of a year are, uh, TV and movie auditions. And those are, uh, very, very dense and very often from about January to March, which is when all the, t- the major television networks cast all their new television pilots. Right. So ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox do all their new shows that are going to come out in the fall, all are cast during the winter. So, uh, the, and that happens in LA. So uh, the last two years I've gone to LA. That's been a new experience for me, mm-hmm. but I've done it pilot the last season. two years. That's pilot, pilot season. season. Yeah. As made famous in the movie. Who's the caboose? That nobody saw. But that it, nobody saw. Let me tell you this. It as will destroy to, you. To my fellow actors, do not watch that movie when you're <laughs> in L.A. for pilot season. Because such a demoralizing movie. Available on Blu-ray? I don't think so. No it's available Blu-ray for you, buddy. On iTunes. Uh, you okay. can watch it yeah. on Netflix streaming, I think. It's yeah. Sam Cedar. Sam Cedar. It's fun to watch because there's a lot of comedians who are now way more established than they were right. at the time. So it's a fun movie to watch, but not fun to watch while you're doing pilot season, which is, can be a really uh, just kind of disgusting and difficult right. 
dark period. It's just the, the grind of, of, of uh, audition after audition. It's bananas. It was three, four auditions a day sometimes. For, so, and that's not commercial where you're walking in and have to say one line or not no lines and just look at the camera like, what? My wife's crazy. <laughs> it's like I you have to learn nine pages of of copy of yeah. of uh script when you're and react and be funny and you know uh so it's kind of crazy and then throughout the rest of the year it's sort of spotty there's a lot of cable tv shows that cast during the year there's a lot of movies that just sort of happen here and there and uh they're they're here and there you know a little bits and pieces i auditioned for martin scorsese's new movie uh Recently? last week Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah uh how's he, marty doing He's good. Uh, we chatted about uh, his collection of stuff he has at the Wesleyan Film Archives. Right. Um, we should talk about his eyebrows. We talked bit. about uh, his New grooming. York. He does. Uh, I've heard he's into New York. I love New York. He does. <laughs> uh, it's my yeah. Scorsese. Yes. He, I did not meet him. I don't ah. think I'm going to get that part. It's a bummer. <laughs> I think it was like a one-line part. Taxi Driver 2, right, is the movie? No, but there is. I'm talking to you. <laughs> there is <laughs> a Raging Bull 2. <laughs> That's in production. A what? Yeah. Why do I feel like I... Does he have any involvement in that? No, I don't think so. Wait, a a sequel to what? Raging Bull. Oh, Raging Bull 2. That was pretty good Scorsese. A sequel to what? (laughs) I've been working on it. What are we talking Uh, about? Marty, if you're listening, I'll be in your biopic. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Biopic. Biopic. Biopic is how we pronounce it. Yeah, it does go on. Biopic is a a, a disorder with your eyes when uh, you Uh, can only see... see, Martin Scorsese. (laughs) Right. You can only see bad Scorsese. When you're watching The Aviator, you get a biopic. That's that's bad Scorsese. It's not great. Uh, Or Ray. Or uh, the Johnny Cash movie. Yes. This is bad biopics. Yes, exactly. Biopic. Um, uh, so, so you mentioned pilot season. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about pilot season okay. for a second. Uh, because I remember talking to you when you were in the middle of pilot season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's terrible time. Yeah, I've done two pilot seasons in L.A. Which So I've flown to L.A., spent away from home... The only right. reason you're there. Well, wait, Just to audition. Back on the, yeah. Yes. How do you get these auditions mm-hmm. so you have your schedule? I mean, is there an agent involved? Or like, how do you set all this stuff up? Yeah, it, it happens through an agent. Uh, and I also have a manager. I don't have an agent at the moment. Uh, but I do have an, a manager. <laughs> Ayatollah, um, rock and roller. Come uh, on, I know. I'll see sore subject. So, oh, so. <laughs> it's not that sore. Well, I'm for the listener, we're just curious. Like we talk about right, pilots, but right. there's got to be a reason and a way. The how? Yeah, the yes, access I, exactly to the auditions comes from an agent or a manager uh, who facilitate your an actor's introduction to a casting director. And access is a huge stress, I would say, for at a it's, certain level for yeah. actors, comedians, etc. Yeah, that's how a, do I get the access? That's do, a worthy how do I point. Get access Hollywood. Yeah, how yeah. do I get on Access Hollywood? Uh, <laughs> well that's what you're looking for. Yes. First, really that's first what we're you get famous. For. When your goal is access Hollywood, <laughs> yeah. I think right. really reassess what you're thinking about doing with your life. <laughs> for the listeners. Access uh, Hollywood is a fantastic show where we get all of our news. Uh, okay, so uh yeah, I, I, that's a worthy point. Because I, considering what I think the audience for this podcast is, right. namely people who would be interested in listening to me talk about what the career is, there'd probably be a lot of people who went through the experience I went through, which is you're working as a comedian for a long time. Uh, there reaches a certain point when you're, you, I wanted to 
start doing more professional stuff. And I, I had, uh, found a commercial agent, uh, the person who would just send me out on, on auditions for commercials through uh, a class. I took a class that was uh, a taught, it sort of taught you how to do on-camera commercial auditioning. And it just sort of exposed you what the experience would be like. It was taught by casting directors who run commercial castings. Right. And they introduce you to what the process is and how you do it. And then you meet uh, agents at the end of those classes. And I, I was able, lucky enough to get an agent through that experience. They've been really wonderful. I assume it's a lot like the documentary, The Hollywood Complex. I haven't seen that. Have Everyone seen that? should watch the Hollywood Complex. Yeah. Yes. Blu-ray. I think you can get definitely okay. get it only on Blu-ray. Is it uh, on it's Netflix about, streaming? <laughs> yes, it is on Netflix streaming. <laughs> All right, Netflix. Everyone All should right. watch it on Netflix streaming. It's about that. There's some building you might know in LA where they house child actors. It's an apartment complex that's only oh, child yeah, actors. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it's about child actors being in pilot season. Yeah, that's a thing. It is soul crushing. Okay. Watching it because it this. is just like a parade of delusion. We we no doubt will visit this yes. again when we get yes. back to so policy. go back. So after doing commercials for a while, I really wanted to just reach the next level, which is in itself. I think is a I'm I'm becoming to starting to realize that considering a career in levels like that uh-huh. is kind of a folly, sure. and uh, I'm just now realizing it that I, I think to assess your career and thereby your life in terms of like kind of moving up the levels of, of of success and status or the rungs of a ladder or the echelons of of uh, uh celebrity right uh is a, is a fa- is really a mistake and right. I, i'm realizing that because i've been doing it for years and it hasn't helped me uh find satisfaction in my career yes so i think it's worth noting that that the whole phrase let's take it to the next level take it to the next level yes it kind of is it's bullshit for bands yeah anybody who says we want to go to another level right uh should be shot in the face yeah agree yeah because it's not there aren't there is no next level there are no there's no end goals right there just aren't like i we the you know my we talked about the other day my dumb statement but Mm -hmm. kind of true there aren't any end goals the only goal we all have is to die like at some point we will die and that's about it. Other than that, we're kind of creating this bullshit. Except for the I think idol. the podcast is over. Yes. I think that's I think the di- idea that that's it. Right. Well, uh, I think, but yeah, but yeah, like I think if you you're you're lying to yourself, you're creating mm-hmm. this kind of delusion for yourself a bit. To, that that I agree with. Yes, I think that to quantitatively think of your career that way, I think there's a natural inclination to do it because. To be successful, we want, we see another level. We right. see it exist and therefore we aspire to it. So as a comedian, I'm thinking like, okay, well, I've done, I've done, I've performed at the UCB for a while. I'd like to advance to something more professional and make money doing this. The easiest way to do it and the, the place I see makes the most sense is in commercials where you, the talent of being an improviser and a comedian is applicable. And I see the model for success in my peers. So that's what I want to do. And once I've done commercials for a while, I think, well, I want to be on, I want to do TV stuff now. And such is true on a larger scale. I think right. there's, 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 C, there's C-list celebrities. Sure. There's B-list celebrities. There's A-list celebrities. Yes. The musicians, I don't doubt. It's true. When you see the size venues, you can really quantify yep. Yep. what success is. Same with money. You know, I got paid this amount for this show or I want to make this amount on the next show. Right. Um, 
and we haven't addressed writing really either, but such is true with writing too. I, I mean, Jeff and I have written together uh, on shows. I've written other projects uh, besides ads. I've written TV shows and I'm shopping, movies. I think it's the same thing. You sell a script and you think about the next level of yeah. selling a script or being more established as a writer. I think so seeing the, the uh, what's the word, like the, the uh, uh, distinction right. in, in like degrees of success is a, a fallacy because it always is, there's always more. There's always another level to which we can aspire and therefore there's no means of satisfying that desire. There's no way we can really consciously uh, uh, quell that feeling that I need to do more. And right. and I think that... Uh, Which is also, when we break it down, it's based on fear and... Completely. You know, and, you know, it's it's letting go of control of your happiness to, yeah. and your feelings of success, which are what... I mean, how do we define like your your feelings of worthiness and legitimacy and, and your perspective on your own talent you know right. you it's letting all of that be determined by something else something that's not you and it's not true it's just not a truth in your life it's right. and it won't i feel i'm just realizing it. like i just spent the years figuring trying to uncover why i'm not feeling happy sure. in this career and going back and forth and and i'm not i still don't feel happy but i am realizing that i've been chasing something that is impossible to satisfy me. That dragon. wouldn't ever satisfy me. I, I think you've been smoking opium, <laughs> which don't do that. That's that's rule one. That's the rule one you didn't you wanted to say. Let before. me tell you hey, something. I smoked opium senior year of college, <laughs> and I was very happy. <laughs> that guy. Oh no, not Empire of the Sun. Empire Last the Emperor. Sun. I always I got the, I always wait the those one two that's JG Ballard. JG no, uh, Ballard's Empire, Empire of the, of the Sun, Sun. With a young featuring a young Ben Stiller. And an a young Spielberg, Christian Bale. A young Chris, but the last J.G. Ballard. The last emperor was uh, Bertolucci. Was right. Ben Stiller in Empire of the Sun? Yeah, yeah. he Who plays one of the one of the the downed uh, pilots that's in yeah, the, a small, the POW I think camp. It's, it was one of his first. Uh, yeah, there's no joking. Roles. He's a what, very is he dramatic. is he like a teenager? Uh, he I looks bet he's probably like, twenty. Yeah, he looks oh, about twenty. Yeah. Wow, before Ben Stiller's show. Wow, what a great credit for him. It's a great oh, I like that movie. Good, like, yeah, like mid-period Spielberg. Yeah. But what I was going to say before I got distracted <laughs> by the opium <laughs> reference um, was that it's, I think it's totally applicable to uh, our situation, Jeff and my situation of having played music and have achieved, you know, certain goals. Right. On our, basically on our own terms. Right. I mean, both of our bands kind of just operated completely independently um, as much as possible. But there was always... I mean, I think the whole reason behind why we're doing this is because there was, as as amazing and as satisfying as a lot of the experiences we had, there was so much further we could have gone. Yes. Um, and I think I think that applies. I think it's almost easier for music, you know, to, to quantify it for musicians because there's and exactly like you were saying in terms of the size of the venues you're totally. playing, yeah. the type of tours you're going on, the number uh, of the albums time, you're selling, yeah, yeah. the amount of yeah. time you're spent, you know. So, so it was that was something that, and I don't think that necessarily. I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, you too, there's still things that those guys want to do. Sure, you know, I, I really don't think that, you know, and just you know, 
I have not achieved that level of success, so I don't know, like, at what point does something become satisfying. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I, I truly don't think that it ever does. It's a hard path to get to where things are actually satisfying and yeah. enjoyable. I mean, I, I do think, of, I think it was the Lorne Michaels quote where he's like, uh, if you're not happy by the time you get to Saturday Night Live, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. Because that kind of applies. Like, you it know, applied to Charles Rocket. It definitely. And then all of a sudden, he's dead on yes. his front lawn. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Charles oh. Rocket and Jim Santangeli. Both looking uh, down on us. <laughs> both looking down, dropping yeah. out some salt on the ground. so weird. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, I think there, you know, to, to think there are these kind of levels is mm. bullshit. Um, uh, so, uh, in, I know, I, it, I don't know if you had more you wanted to say on, uh, did, I wanted to get into pilot yeah. season. Yeah. But what do you know, I was going to say, it would be great if you have like any, if you can cull any specific examples mm-hmm. uh, of something that was truly heartbreaking or mm-hmm. brutalizing um, in the audition process or in pilot season. Yeah. Um, just as kind of a, a worst gig. Sure. Uh, there was this recent, this most recent pilot season, I've done two in LA. Uh, and the reason I've only done two is I n- hadn't ever had a, uh, an agent before uh, about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So two pilot seasons uh, of access to those kind of auditions. And um, last year was, was uh, the first time I had done it. It was really overwhelming and crazy and uh, fun. I really had fun, mm-hmm. but it also was a total nightmare. Because I, the way that it worked last year was I was flown out to test for a pilot, which is once you've gone to an, an initial audition, and then usually there's a callback, which is if you come back and you audition again, and, and usually there's a director or maybe a producer there. Sometimes the writer of the show is there. And then there's uh, uh, what's called a studio test, which is, the studio that's producing the TV show Mm -hmm. brings you in and you do an audition for all of the executives of that uh, studio. So all the people who work in development, uh, let's say for instance, this was mine was at Warner brothers. I was at the Warner brothers studio. They were all the, there were maybe 20 people in a room and and they, uh, they, you just auditioned in front of them and Mm -hmm. in an, I was, this one is in an office. Sometimes they're in like a, like a little studio, like little kind of theater space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're different depending on where you are. And, uh, it's all the development people. It's all the heads of the, the studio. And, and then you, you do the audition there. If you make it past that level, which I've never have, you go to, uh, the network. So then I would go on to CBS or, or NBC and another round of executives sit there and watch and right. critique. And these are, these are for like principal roles. Yeah. 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 So these are like, uh, like for instance, was I auditioned for, uh, uh, like last year. 2011, I auditioned for like the new girl, for instance, uh, and I auditioned for the guy who you could guess, like the sort of Semitic, like (laughs) nice, but funny guy on that show. Yeah. You go Um, in for types, you get set for, yeah, I'm going, I'm going out for the like, like I've only really gone in for three or four. uh uh, And it's only if they will find casting angel, look at the UCB performer page. Mm -hmm. And if they want a, Zach Galifianakis, right, uh, or a Seth Rogen, right, big fat hairy par- party animal, right. Which when I'll get in, they'll. I feel like there's the look of like, oh, not as fat as we. Thought. What about what about a which is uh, kind of nice, mid kind of nice Jack Osborne, the, but they never want that. 
that would definitely apply yes. more than almost any of them. Right. Uh, but right now they want Zach Galifianakis. Yes. What we need Zach here is like kind of like a oh, uh, sort of like a medley Jack Osborne <laughs> doesn't take himself too seriously has with curly a, hair, curly big nice curly hair, but not Semitic. Yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, like a, I don't want any Jew in them. New England <laughs> yes. kind of pedigree. Uh, and that being said, they never know what's going on. Because when I went in for one, not to jump on your pot, Susan, but I went in for one show, and they wanted Zach Galifianakis type. And then when I saw who they hired, it was the guy who played Super, uh, McLovin in Superbad. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's, he's exactly So I went, oh, okay, so not yeah, anything. I'm, that's a lot of uh, times the way it works. Uh the the auditions that I've gotten close to and then lost, uh, sometimes it's someone who I easily could play that part, sure. but that guy had more credits or right. is a famous person, yes. you know? Uh, this year I auditioned for, there's a new show on CBS called Partners that mm-hmm. will be on this fall. I tested for that uh, along with Nate Lang, who's a buddy of ours, and uh, looks a lot like uh, Nate Smith. Type, but we're by, the same type. We don't tested, look alike. Tested, you're meaning you've gone to through a couple of hoops. We went, yeah, we went to that level of of and uh, audition. And uh, David Krumholtz got the role. Who Krumholtz? Uh, yeah, Krumholtz. Krumholtz. You, you would know him. I he bet was, you I would. No, he's 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 uh he's, he's slums of Beverly Hills, and he's numbers. Oh, yeah. Krumholtz. He was also on Fr- uh, Freaks and Geeks. Yes, uh, he was. Who's uh, the older brother of uh, right? Yes. yes, I Sam only Levine's know from numbers. Character. Yeah. It's my favorite show Is of it? all time. Haven't Never seen, seen an episode. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's nobody seen good it. Hell, I a rock and roller. <laughs> um, so <laughs> he just said, "Okay." Back to <laughs> that, okay. I, I, I was like, Enough that, of that. Okay. That bit's still going. Yes. Um, <laughs> we uh, so last year I w- f- was flown out for pilot season. Uh, to test for something, the studio paid for me to go, uh-huh. and I stayed in a hotel and everything, and uh, which is really flattering. You know, I t- auditioned on tape in New York. They saw uh-huh. the tape, thought it was good enough that they took me right to the test phase. That happens from time to time in New York, and uh, I tested, I didn't get it. But then I was out in LA, and my agent just started setting up auditions, and it it just it rolled, and there was just one after another after another. And I kept thinking I was going to go back to New York at the end of a week in LA and it turned into five or six. Yeah. And I had no clothes. You know, I just, I it went with like two shirts. For the hotel and yeah. I had to go crash on couches. And I remember you were, yeah. you were like, so you're just like the amount of money I'm spending. On it was coffee. crazy. Like my oh credit my card bill, bill is just full of coffee. I racked no up money. so much money. I, uh, uh, just was very, very stressful. But at the same time, I was really excited sure. to be there. It's your first um, time. It's your first. You're doing. I never. Season. It was the best feeling yeah. to be like I'm in the room for real shit. I'm doing real TV it's, shows. It's like South by Southwest for musicians. That's exactly where what you, I South by Southwest about. is like musician vacation, which is what Justin from Panthers will always call it. Where it's everyone in one place, all kind of lying to themselves mm-hmm. that this <laughs> is it. You know, like mm-hmm. that we're oh we are like musicians, quote yeah. unquote. And then, you know, 95% have to go back to... It's got this promotional gig bag. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. And then 95% have to go back to their temp job as right. soon as it's done. See, that that's an interesting thing because... And, and relevant to the show because South by Southwest, like, I've had gigs in that vein that feel really good. And it's yeah. not 
not a gig. It's a real thing. Right. You're do you're playing that venue, the same one where whomever you respect and, and appreciate who's a big fucking deal is doing that same show on that same stage, sure. right? That's a great feeling. And likewise, I've done guest spots on TV shows or I've done 30 Rock that, or yep. that doesn't count because I'm not like digs. proud of 30 Rock exactly. Yes. I mean, I love it, but it's not. Sure. Uh, I've done movies that it, like premiered and at the festival, like you feel great. It's this exciting thing. Um, I've, I've, I mean, there's however we gauge success. Like I've had commercials that were like big commercials that were fun. I've had people just respond to even jokes I've told, like on right. a really minor that just shows at the UCB theater to a packed sold out audience and have people come up to me and say how funny it was. I mean, all of that is a very glorious experience. Yet that is is like fleeting. Yep. You know, those opportunities and those experiences are so fleeting. Because where is all that when you're sitting on your couch at well, that, one when in the you go morning back to your, your internship? As exactly. Bill Joel said, you can't go to bed with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What? What did he say? He that? did. Because he's a lonely man. <laughs> he is a lonely man. He, he might be right. the saddest man in America. A, but that's a perfect... I mean, yeah. Not to, to, yeah. To, no, no, no. Sure, I think it is the fact perfect. is, Billy, can't, you can't go to bed with the Rock and Roll Hall No, you can't. At yeah. one in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably why he has so many problems with driving drunk into yeah. walls. And yeah, cause he's got, I mean, it's, it's because yeah, like at the end of the day, like, where are you at the end? You know, that was, it, it, you know, that would be something, you know, you, when you're on tour even, mm-hmm. you'd get home and then you'd be like, oh, I've got to just take out the garbage. Yeah. Like, oh, my dog just needs walking again. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, it doesn't, like, I lived in a fantasy world for a couple, like, yeah, and that, your and, problems it, stay there. Yeah, you still have life to live in that, in that. It also, I mean, I think it's a positive and a negative mm-hmm. because you start to realize like a lot of that stuff's kind of bullshit anyways. Mm-hmm. That's just trying to replace like, you know, the, the acceptance we were looking for from our parents or from our family or whatever at some point. Yeah. Uh, like these are just kind of filling in gaps, you know, like to, instead of having to kind of deal with ourselves really. Um, I agree. Yes. And I think it is another affirmation that by by pursuing like another level of success as we were talking about before you're not going to feel good you're not going to feel satisfied with your achievements you're not going to feel like you're ever really getting there right uh to a place where you feel good about your career and therefore about yourself it's it's letting it's just erroneous right. and and uh stupid it's a stupid way to live so how the answer then, or the question then is, how do you live this existence and this life that we want to live as musicians or comedians or actors or writers and as artists when that is your life? When uh-huh. you get your, your highs that are really legit highs, like yeah. you can say you played South by the fucking kicked ass and it was amazing. Likewise, I can say, like, I did this movie and I loved it and it was fucking awesome, which I can't, I can't exactly say yet. <laughs> But um, I will, and I have. Yeah, there been like, who else has made a movie? You know, out of out of everybody that right. there is, that's made a movie or a few movies and gone to the premiere and done right. the thing. I mean, that's that in and of itself is an accomplishment. Oh, it's right. awesome! It's yeah. an amazing feeling. Like, point it's is, like, hard to remember. But there's so few and far between that. How then do you live a life and feel satisfied with it? And this, I think, is the. I'm again, I'm like just realizing how to do it. And I think it is knowing that you have 
the work. You have your own personal work mm -hmm. yes. to focus on and to put your heart and your passion into and to, to put your energy and your love and your enthusiasm elsewhere is a mistake. And not only is, does it not return, bring you a return and like feeling satisfied, I think you also are less likely to succeed because you're not producing stuff that is truthful. Right. You're not actually doing things that are legitimate. You're not being honest with yourself. My manager, Brian Steinberg, gave me the best piece of advice I've received. Break it up. And he just gave it to, it was like two weeks ago. Is this about replicating the high smoking opium? No. No. <laughs> Number I'll one, chase the back. <laughs> no. He, uh, that was a different conversation. Um, <laughs> we never talked about opium. Um, <laughs> We, uh, I don't see how opium would help my career in any way. At the can't hurt. At this, no, it can. Yeah. No, can't hurt. Empire of the Sun 2. <laughs> Empire of the Sun 2. Sorry, oh. Nate Smith. How Jeff many, Smith and Mike Pace. In the ben Stiller role. how many artists do you hear of her like, man, I just, uh, yeah, you know, I just smoked a bunch of opium and the whole script just jumped out of me. <laughs> just um, all came together all yeah. of a sudden. Oh. Uh, I imagine there's somebody out there. Yes. Um, Charlie Kaufman, that's the <laughs> secret. Uh, <laughs> We, uh, he said, you know, we were looking at the things that I was doing and that I w wanted to do. And, and he realized I was like, you know, I feel like I'm doing everything right. Like I do, I'm doing all the things my peers are doing who are successful. Why aren't I like, why isn't it popping? Why aren't I getting to the next level? Yeah. I just raised my eyebrows because oh, no. I realized what I said. <laughs> and he was like, well, I think the thing that's missing is your, you're not really doing anything that's just you. That's just a Nate Smith project that is really true and personal to you. And Except for Nate Smith News. Yeah, <laughs> even that is like the angle of that. I mean, I produced it as a sure. means of promoting myself, yes. you know, like. It's trying to be something. Yeah, it's not the same as like starting a blog because I'm like, oh, I got this funny fucking shit in my heart right. that I need to share with the world. Right. Which I do sometimes. I mean, I, and that is actually my blog is more that than it, lately. But um, I think that is the focus. And keeping your focus on that is what allows you to find success. And I bet if we had, like, someone success, like Bono in here, Next talking week. about his career. I mean, I say, say because you mentioned Everybody, you when, too. Yeah, when, you say when he comes in, yeah. Yeah. When Bono is sitting where you're sitting right, right. now, he that, will say. That I don't doubt that there are things that he wants to do. Right. But I also feel like he would probably say... There came a point when I stopped, we stopped worrying about making the right album for, at the right, you know, and it was just them. Maybe they didn't even have to. Maybe they were just born that way, right. you know, like they knew what they wanted to express and that's all they did. And God bless those people who do that, you know, I, for me, that's it's the been thing, a struggle. Like, yeah. Like I think like that lead, like I, it's, you know, we've talked about like, you know, because we deal in comedy. So mm -hmm. like, you know, videos come up and like mm -hmm. viral videos can come up like mm -hmm. that concept. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, like to, to have, uh, you know, I, I know for me, it's a, there, it's, it's built into people. It's built into certain people that they can, uh, you know, they've got their finger on the pulse of something that they can like, you know, they can just, they just do something that people synergy. They got synergy with the world and something that people like. And you know that that's it. That's you can't produce that. You can't yeah. just fake that. Yeah. Uh, I I think, and it's a hard thing to realize. Yeah. 
Um, and I think especially when you're involved in the world of UCB, where you see it happen right on a regular basis. Yeah, it's 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 it can be heartening and disheartening to be yeah. like, oh, all of my friends are doing such great things, mm-hmm. but this just gives me more things to stress about. So going back to fake the funk, essentially to right. to try to force yourself, yeah, like it, I I think that makes sense. It's 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 hard. It's a hard thing to do stuff to be true to yourself and yeah. and be confident. It's it's the same as being able to call yourself a musician, being able to call yourself a comedian, being able to call yourself an actor. It's a it's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to admit to yourself because you are admitting uh, that you might fail. That yeah. there might be failure in there, and that there will be failure. There should be failure. Uh, failure is is one of the keys to it all, right. honestly. But to to actually legitimately try, not fuck that. To to legitimately like put your own work out into the world and stuff that is true to you and that you care about and that you believe in. And to just, if that is your pursuit and you fail at it, I think you will walk away from the experience still feeling satisfied. I think that is right. the only way you'll sure. feel satisfied. That is, in other words, feeling, sounding very philosophical about it. That is the only truth is do, is being true to what it is that you believe is funny, that you believe is interesting. Well, when this podcast inevitably fails, right. we're going to it'll be a... Yes, it'll be an enlightening experience yes. right? Uh, because it will fail, but it will fail on our merits. Exactly. It will fail on yes. our terms. And I, let me uh, tell you, wouldn't it be great if this podcast, like if it failed, yeah. you w- would no doubt have a dozen diehard fans who got it. Right. And they would say it was the best. I love it. It was Nobody did that. They would understand what you were trying to do. And they would get it. And you guys are doing it. And therefore, like, that then is a truthful podcast. Is it, a, like, a false pursuit? Like, not in any fucking way, you know? Sure. It is the most truthful passion of that you guys believe in, you know? Assuming that you did. And you're not actually going, like, oh, we're going to get this. We're gonna get this podcast made so that we can get on NPR Jeffy's on and get ourselves. Scratch, scratch, pull it down. Turn, turn, turn no, no, it I, I, what are I, you I, get off of me. I, <laughs> no, I, I, I think you are you are preaching the gospel. Yeah. Well, okay. What about this? What if Bono came in here? Yes. We mm-hmm. interviewed him, and he said, "Jeff, we're getting rid of our old bass player." I don't know. If we've done no. It. Jeff, One. I want to hire you to be on my Irish Irish sketch show. <laughs> we're looking for a new bass player, but he's got to have a. A Zach Galifianakis, Seth Rogen look to him. I'd say, I'm in, brother. I hate your bands, and I hate everything you stand for, but, but let's you would... give me the duckets. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, really, I think also, uh, this leads to, uh, I would like to share with the, the, the two mottos that come up a lot with, uh, when me and Nate talk, and I think this applies to, uh, for me, the philosophy of, you know, ultimately, embracing the negativeness, embracing, the, you know, solely concentrating on the negative aspects of life. Shy Halud. Hardcore band. Um, oh, coming up. Yeah. <laughs> shy Halud, little newfound glory. The Ayatollah rock and roll of my face. The beef uh, is that. That was the, no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> it's nothing for no reference for nobody, which is 
what the key to this is. That's going to be those 12. Hey, uh, uh, watch out. Ms. Malinjack's going to come in with her uh, <laughs> diamond-encrusted uh, hornet cr- brooch. <laughs> As my first grade teacher and a thing she used to wear. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But this goes into, uh, I think Shazam this leads that. into the slogans of, one, these are things that I repeat to myself all the time. Number one, fuck fear in the face. It <laughs> sums it up. Three Fs in a row. But that, you know, we, the, all of this fear, all of this, you know, kind of negative talk and everything really does come out of fear and just acknowledging that. Because, you know, as, oh my God, Shy Hollywood, it all connects. As they say, a dude, fear is the mind killer. Uh, and that is the ultimate truth. Like anytime it's, you know, really thinking about, you know, and it's also fun to think about this stuff, but think about this negative stuff is, you know, it's all just fear. Uh, and on, you know, kind of connected, uh, from the greatest movie ever to me, Rolling Thunder, uh, learn Rolling to Thund- love the road, which we have, which on we VHS have on VHS, surprisingly not on Blu-ray, uh, learn to love the road. Right Everyone should see Rolling Thunder. Uh, and it's about a Vietnam POW who comes back and they ask, and at one point, uh, a guy who's fucking his wife asks him, He's uh, not fucking fear in the face. He's not fucking wife. fear in his face. He's just fucking the wife. Uh, he 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 asks him how did you know what did they uh, do to you? Taking a good look at this, and it's that they. I've never seen that cover. Back right now. And so the Vietnam vet used to have his arms tied up by rope, and they pull it back, and they pull it back until you could hear the bones crack. And the guy asked him, "How did you get through that?" And he says, "You've got to learn to love the rope because once you learn to love it, they can never break you." But I think that for me, that's still one of the keys: is learning to love the rope, learning to embrace the negative shit. Because this is the stuff that makes us better. This is the stuff that kind of brings us up to a new level. It's not wallowing completely in it. It's just seeing it, embracing it, going, hey, you're awesome, too. And that's yeah. what that's what uh, Worst Gig Ever is that all is about. That is what it's all about. The three Fs yeah. from Jeff Garlock. Three Fuck Fs. fear in the face. My three Fs are friends, family, and faith. <laughs> Well, a little oh, bit did there. we not mention this is a Christian uh, broadcast? Well, the, it's funny that faith came up because, like, that is the same thing to me. Like, sure. really believing in yourself and that there is a will for you, right? Is to me the same as denying fears control over your life, and and that is like that's what faith is—the opposite of fear. Sure, you know. Fear is not believing, right. and um, and you know, b- being operated like uh, operating by a, a philosophy that means you can't, you can't do things because you're afraid to do it. The opposite would be to believe you can, and that is faith. And um, la- I think again, like this is me like discovering the way to do this because this pilot season, which I didn't really get into, was exceedingly difficult i had a really really hard time with it right um what was what was so tough about it this time around um it it just wasn't going well i could sort of tell it wasn't going well right and part of that was because of me i like was really uncomfortable i would go to auditions and not feel totally present and centered and like relaxed and nervous. I just felt nervous. And I would go in and sometimes the audition would suffer because of it. Other times the auditions were uh, really difficult uh, and just shitty like uh-huh. circumstances. And those were ones that I felt like 
uh, weren't exactly my fault, but those happened a lot. And then I also was just kind of bothered by, uh, my peers in LA. I had a really hard time with it and I had a hard time with the way the business was run, I guess. Uh huh. Um, out there this year and i it didn't affect me last year but this year it really did so but now like regarding the, darkness, the as you the, call uh, i sum it all up la has a darkness in it and it is an intangible thing that we can get into but not the band the darkness who i think are no. also from los angeles oh are no, they that guy's from the uk um <laughs> so <laughs> connection Ooh. not so, existing not near the so, darkness. i'll tell you one exists. thing that guy loves the <laughs> The light asylum drop. That, that guy loves amps. Yeah, he does. Okay, so the regarding uh not Henry. Uh uh like just embracing the negative stuff, learning yes. to love the rope. I I feel like I mean regard like where the worst gigs I've had and the worst auditions and the worst jobs I can look back and laugh about. And to me, the next step for me and what I want to do is be able to laugh at them in the moment because I know they're ridiculous. Right. And uh, I'll tell you what, the worst audition of this pilot season was for Mindy Kaling as a new show on Fox. I think it's called the Mindy, the Mindy Kaling, Kaling Project. Project, yeah. yeah. Um, so I auditioned for that. Uh, it's a funny script. I read it. I thought it was funny. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw the pilot. Or I anything. didn't watch no. it. Um, I think Mindy's awesome. I love her in The Office. I love her writing, like, She's just talented and great. So I was psyched, man. I just knew this was going to be a good one. I had, I felt like it was going to go to series, like, and it, which it did. So I prepped my ass off for it. I got to the audition. Um, it uh, was casual and fun. Uh, Alicia, no, Eliza Dushku was in the room. The Dushku. The um, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> That that's one of the fun things about auditioning in LA. It happens so very rarely in New York that you cross paths with celebrities in an audition room, but in LA it happens pretty frequently. And it's kind of fun. And she was cool and casual and uh -huh. also super smoking hot. Sure. So it was like kind of fun what you know, when people are like, Oh, cool, I'm glad you're a cool person, you know, like it's just <laughs> so I was feeling good in general. Uh and uh I was about to walk into the room for the audition and it was the casting director takes like puts her hand on the doorknob and then turns around to me and looks at me and says hey don't try to be funny Ooh. uh <laughs> you know a lot of people have been going in and Ugh. like just really hamming it up and that's it's a mistake just don't do that just keep everything small uh and serious and has Ugh. to be played straight and real and in my mind that's what I was going to do anyway. I'm not a like, hey, yeah, I'm yeah. not a hammy kind of actor. <laughs> Who's ready for an audition? Right. So she must have been seeing that all day. And I just, so I thought, okay, well, I'll tone it down, I guess, even more than I was gonna. It's just a weird thing. So you got to fuck yeah, with your whole. Big time. Fuck yeah. your brain. So I walk into the room and the room, this sometimes happens like on studio lots uh, the, the auditioning areas sometimes are just a little cabana. Uh huh. And so the uh, actual audition room was probably about eight feet by six feet. Uh, -huh. uh like a tiny, <laughs> tiny like little room. Yeah. And it, uh, there was enough room for a couch, uh, a two person couch uh -huh. that three people were sitting on, uh, a camera on a tripod and then the casting director in a chair. So, 
it was crammed and then me standing in front of everybody on the on the couch two birds on the couch were mindy in the middle and then two producers on either side uh-huh. and then the casting director and it was probably 90 degrees in there and i i had just been told don't be funny so roll them you know i did the audition <laughs> i fucking tanked so hard like i for some reason I was thinking, like, be small and subtle and not... So I was talking, like, at this volume. <laughs> like, just the quietest... I don't know why... Like, that was the way I interpreted the note. I just shat the fucking bad, man. And there was just... <laughs> sorry. Um, of all of my auditions on on uh, that uh, that pilot season, I, I would reference that. as like, that was the worst one. I talked to my agents uh-huh. and managers about it. That was bad. That was really bad. And we, um, we taught, uh, I, I, like, honestly, I wish after the audition was over, I had said to everybody, what are you doing in here? Like, why are you doing it this way? This absurd. Did you laugh at all today? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't, this is the most uncomfortable room. You look uncomfortable. <laughs> you like Mindy looked like, why are these two? men sitting on me flanking her yeah and it's hot and gross in here and you you know like it's just not the environment conducive to any kind of laughter and uh i really wish why wouldn't i have said i mean just was there it would have been amazing if there was like do you have any uh questions before you start yeah uh what is your deal yeah uh i oh god i really wish i had the balls to do that at the end of the thing sure afterwards what you do that you kind of blew it anyways yeah afterwards the follow-ups were the guy one of the producers saying i think he's a producer saying uh oh uh he's english oh so you do um ucb theater um what uh, what was your favorite night there? I was like, what was my favorite night at the theater? Like, like a show? It was my favorite show that I saw. Night of all time. Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. What do you mean night? And he was like, like a night. You went there and like you did a show. And I was like, oh, like a show I was in. Like, what was my favorite show? And he was like, yeah. And I said, well, I do improv, so it kind of changes all the time. Like, I've had some great shows. Some I could. I mean, I, it's hard to describe. And he was like, well, tell us about one. So, like, in other words, describe for us some improv scene you did once. out of context one it, time. Before you start, can we turn the heat up in here yeah. a little bit? Thank you. Can we get another couch? Can, that we, was get, just a can rough... we get a smaller couch to just shove us in? <laughs> Perfect. Terrible. Go on, Nate. <laughs> Honestly, he may as well have been like that hoity-toity about it. Um, oh, um, would you dance for us, please? <laughs> uh, yeah. I think in a way to bring this all together. Right. We should ask Nate the question we ask every guest. Because mm. I think it's different for people, who actors and comedians. This is, right. We might get a different response here. Yes. To what people in I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested to hear All right, Jeff, here. together. Well, wait. Do you want to know what? about any gigs I had that were bad? <laughs> That's just an audition. Oh, I thought up some gigs, but go ahead. Oh, you just oh, thought of some gigs? You thought of some gigs. What do you oh, got? did we steer yeah. clear of it because I have had so few gigs? No, 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 no. Yeah. You had gigs. It's just your 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 other We've speak been, was uh, more powerful. Yes. Oh, uh, fuck it. Let's leave it alone, then, yeah. man. My gigs are so again a dubious. Uh, That's what cr- the, the dubious credits. Yeah, yeah, I have. exactly. Yeah. No. Uh, so, so okay, the to, question. Yeah, hey, the last question. Thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. The last hey, question we always lives ask. up there. Um, what do you think of the word gig? gig? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. 
Really? That, yeah. I think that's that's. I think that's going to be a problem thing. because you're doing all these. You're going. You have all these gigs for yeah. musicians. It's terrible. Well, I, I about musicians, but yes. for people that play in bands, spe- oh, people who play in bands on our level, yeah, play come from more of a yeah, punk indie a world. Gig. Okay, I I've listened to the uh, the Jay Green episode, which I really liked, by the way. Oh, and thank I, you. I thought thank a lot you. of good insights. Um, and it was funny. The uh, the I, I know what it is that you guys reference with the word gig, and right. I I agree with you, but. Ice, there, it has an inherent tongue-in-cheek quality, the sure. word, because it is, to me, it's kind of a 70s word. It's a word that sure. people... It's jam bandy. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think of it as like, a, a, like a, a, you know, a movie, like, a, like Serpico. You know, you would like hey, you say like, to the gig, man. That's um, my uh, Serpico. Yeah. Down yeah. Yeah. No, that's Serpico. Thank oh, you. Okay. Yeah. That's Dead on. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 CBG was a gig down there. Yeah. I'm going to see television. Everybody here. We're all doing a Serpico. <laughs> or or even cool. 50s, maybe, is like where it probably hey. originated. Hey, daddy oh, we're yeah. going like, to the it's gig. It's like a crime. You're like, you're going to commit a gig. <laughs> going to commit a gig. Hey, Scarface, um, you're committing a gig. So <laughs> that to me is like, it was like probably a, a hipster in the truest sense of the term. Sure, def- right. Uh, 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 term for a gig or for a job rather than calling it a job or a show they would call it a gig it was like cool kind of beat wave just probably I don't know for sure sounds so fair. when I refer to a show at the as a gig it's kind of like you know calling uh, calling a buddy like a, a pal uh, yeah a pal of mine or something <laughs> it's sort of like yeah. has this sort of throwback tongue-in-cheek quality to it do you do you find yourself not using in a tongue-in-cheek way also? like Totally. Yes. I refer to lots of things. Our jobs are gigs, like yes. full-time jobs, long-term show jobs. Uh, if I was to say, hey, Nate Smith, you're in a band. Mm-hmm. You've got to do something tonight at mm-hmm. a club. Mm-hmm. What would you call that? A gig. Oh. Yeah. And with that. And with that. Yeah. Strap door. <laughs> yeah. And he's gone. Uh, no. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Dark down here. It smells like celery. It smells like juice. <laughs> so like ju- just because that's, that's where I sleep. Yes. Uh, uh, so hide. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, it's been a pleasure to hear about uh, the other. And a, lo- a lot of positivity in there too, which I yeah. loved. I think I, I, there's some nuggets. Yeah. I think that's what we're starting to get into. Like we're getting the positivity and the negative. Sunshine with well, the storm. I, I mean, I think a lot of what happened was me kind of thinking out loud like i process this stuff all the time yes and like a lot of what i needed to do is like have conversations like this yeah so that i can kind of figure it out because i'm not in a place regularly to just reflect right all the time sometimes i'm just going through it and generally i'm dealing with a lot of pain and suffering that is associated with this life right and this career and uh i i actually i don't think it's that different from someone else's career that the in terms of quantity of struggle sure um that is like a non-arts career but uh you know roughly the same sort of anguish and trying to get what you want out of life and i thinking out loud i think it's sort of just Fucking laugh at it, you know, and that's even it's calling, needed. even struggling with referring to something as a gig is like yes. a 
dumb fucking move. Exactly. Like, because it's like, why? Who cares? It is what it is. Oh, Some people call him cares. Gigs. And we're, we're we're back into the yeah. thunder showers. <laughs> So thank you. I, I got. I love these anklet, like Mondrian esque pattern with the red. They to are. The listener, uh, these are from Foot Locker. Nate is wearing these Foot Locker anklets that are red. On, I mean, they're they're not. An, they're ankle socks. Ankle socks. I'm not they're, wearing. He's wearing an anklet. Uh, it's a beautiful. Ankle my uh, my cousin bracelet. made me this. Uh, she knitted it. She had mono, and <laughs> she uh, she weaved a bunch of friendship anklets. And I got this one. It's red, black, and uh, green for the, the colors of the. African nation. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> then, uh, again, thank you very much, Nate Smith. Get home safe. Thank you. Worst gig ever. 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 ever.